This is episode 190, featuring a coaching call with a runner who's training for her first very hilly trail race and how she can best prepare. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the episode you're about to listen to features a coaching call about how to best prepare for a hilly trail race when you've never run one before. Even if you're not gearing up for trails or hills, this is a valuable discussion on sound training for different types of terrain. But before we start, I want to make sure we're all wearing the same kit today. On this show, you can expect conversations between me and the thought leaders in the running industry to give you the knowledge, the mindsets, and the tools to get faster, stronger, and become a more capable athlete. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage and invest in yourself, you'll be a much better runner. You may also love our YouTube channel, where we have hundreds of videos on weightlifting for runners, injury prevention, how to run with better form, set up your week of mileage, and a lot more. Go to youtube.com slash strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video we publish on a weekly basis. And of course, if you've never visited strengthrunning.com, this is where it all began. Since 2010, we've been helping runners level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog, our free email courses, and the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. And we couldn't have made this episode without our sponsor, Elemental Labs. They make high-sodium electrolytes for athletes to help manage your hydration needs. I am actually currently drinking the mango chili, and it's a little spicy. And they're going to do something pretty awesome for strength running podcast listeners. You can get a free element sample pack. You just have to cover the cost of shipping, which is only $5 for U.S. customers. Go to drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to see the details and claim your free electrolytes today. Each sample pack includes eight packets of element, two citrus, my personal favorite, two raspberry, my second favorite, two orange, and two unflavored packets. That's drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to sign up. All right, today's episode is a fun one. We're talking with Team Strength Running member Eileen, a runner who's preparing for her first hilly trail race. She's never run a trail race, and she's never prepared for a race with the amount of vertical that's included in this one. And at only six miles, this is not a very long race, but we're adding all new variables, and our goal is to make sure that Eileen is not just physically prepared for the elevation changes and the trails, but confident in her ability to do so. Now, if you'd like the opportunity to have a coaching call with me like this, I open these up to our team strength running members. Learn more about the program at strengthrunning.com slash join. And now, please enjoy my coaching call with Eileen. All right, Eileen, thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jason. Looking forward to it. So we are helping you get ready for a six-mile very hilly race. I believe it's your first trail race with this amount of vertical. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I actually have very little experience with trail running. Okay. So I'm kind of going for it with this. I love it. Sometimes you do just have to go for it. Now, six miles, how much elevation gain is in this race that you're getting ready for? It's over 1400. I think it's 1452 if I remember correctly. All right. So this is fairly hilly. We're looking at a, a, a good number of hills. And, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, who you are as a runner, some of your background, your training history and all that. But first, I think it'd be great to really understand the type of race that you're training for. So it's six miles. It's on the trails. What does the elevation profile of this race look like? Is it like a straight climb from the start to the finish, or is it a very rolling course? No, it's rolling. It's ridge, It's called a ridge to ridge. So it actually goes over, I think, four peaks, maybe, three or four, in a big circle at uh, the Gunstock Mountain Ski Resort. Oh, excellent. So definitely up and down. Now, is this in Colorado? Gunstock. That sounds familiar. No, it's in New Hampshire. 
New Hampshire. It's probably another gun stock there. Or you Maybe. just remember it from your Massachusetts days. Yes. Oh my goodness. Now you're you're referencing my Massachusetts days, which is why it probably sounds familiar. So in addition to all the hills, you're you're gonna be at somewhat of an altitude, right? But nothing like eight, ten thousand feet. Correct. Yeah. It's not gonna be any crazy altitude, but definitely more than I'm used to living on the coast. Right, right. Okay. So this gives me a really great idea of the type of race that you're training for. It's six miles. A little over 1,400 feet elevation gain. It pretty much goes up and down the whole time, but it's not at a super high altitude. Um, And you're a lowlander. (laughs) You're not someone who's training on these types of terrains very frequently. Is that right? No, nope, not at all. Okay, so let's get you prepared for this race. Um, first let's, let's learn a little bit more about you, Eileen. What, uh, how long have you been running? How old are you? Give us a little background on your history as a runner. Yeah. So I'm 38. Uh, but so when I was a teenager, I would run like three miles every now and then. And I sort of did that till I was probably about 30. Um, and then I actually started, uh, running more regularly and for longer distances. So, um, probably about eight years. And, uh, I'm a mom of two, so my training time is somewhat limited. Um, but I've run one marathon. I trained for another, which was canceled due to COVID. I've run a few halves, um, and uh, I usually, you know, try to get in about twenty-five to thirty-five miles a week. Okay. Now is the 25 to 30 miles a week, is that something that you might do pretty consistently? It's kind of what, you know, your, your baseline as I might call it. And then maybe if you're training for a half marathon or a marathon, it it goes up a little bit from there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like 25 to 35 is base. And then when I've been, you know, training might go up to 45 at my sort of peak, but, um, or a little higher, but yeah, that's just my base that I try to maintain uh, when I'm not really working towards anything. Right. Okay, that makes sense to me. Now, um, when you get ready, when you're getting ready right now for this hilly race, give us maybe a little snapshot of what your training looks like right now. And maybe a good first uh, question for me to ask is, when is this race? How much time do we have between now and this six miler? Yeah, it's June 19th. So that's like two and a half months, I think. Yeah, you have about 10 weeks from the time we're recording this. So that gives you a a good amount of time. It's not what I would call maybe a full training cycle. But at the same time, it's it's enough, you know, you're you're already into the training, you're not starting from scratch, you know, you're not going from zero or couch to 1452 vertical gain. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, so I uh, right now I'm doing one long run a week, which is usually about 10 miles. And then I usually do uh, about a seven mile run. And then the rest are like three to five. Um, I've started in a little hill work. I have a, um, a actually a hill that has a trail right near my house, which is 352 feet of elevation that does in about a little over a quarter mile. So I've done, it's pretty steep. So I've done some hill repeats there. I also live on top of a big hill, so I do some hill repeats there as well. Um, and generally, there's a lot of rolling hills around where I live, so I do some pretty steep hills every day. And you know, leading up to this, I've done a little speed work on the road. Me and my uh, some of my friends did a 5K series where we all competed to beat our goal time, and that you know helped helped with the speed a little bit and gave us some motivation during COVID. But that's basically been my training up to this point right now. All right. I think you've built a really good foundation up until this point. I mean, you're already doing two runs a week that are longer than the distance of the race that you're training for. So, you know, there's there's a, a very good amount of just baseline endurance that you're going to be able to pull for this race. So I think that's a really great uh, start. I would love to drill down a little bit into the type of hills work that you're doing right now. Uh, it sounds like you're surrounded by hills. So you probably just have a lot of just general experience running up and down hills, even during some of your easy runs. But I'm just curious, you know, what 
what kind of hill work, you know, when you say hill work, what does that look like right now? Well, so an interesting thing is that hills have always been my weakness. When I'm running with friends and we hit a hill, I'm always the one that falls behind and I'm always miserable the whole way. Um, which kind of made me want to tackle it because I'm so bad at it, even though it's everywhere. Um, so what I've done is I took that that 352-foot hill on a trail. I did it like three times the other day um, and then ran up the hill that I live on after, which is probably about 200 feet of elevation. Um, another day there's I went up, I just ran a hill like seven times. It's probably three quarters of a mile long and probably about 200 feet of elevation. So I've just been sort of running up and down hills once a week. I've tried to do. Got it. Got it. That will surprisingly get you pretty far actually. So that, that's a good, good. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, almost like a foundational thing to do, just being comfortable running up and down hills. In fact, I have a workout that I love to use, particularly with more injury prone runners, but I call it a roller coaster run. And it's not really even a workout. It's an easy run where I would love for the runner to be running up or down hills almost the entire time of the run. So, you know, just find a hilly loop and just be going up and down. It doesn't matter how steep the hill is, how long it is. Now, in the effort isn't any different than a normal easy run, but it just gives you a lot of experience with running hills. And, and I think that really helps with coordination. It's going to help with uh, getting you a little bit stronger and making you more injury resilient. So I think there's a lot of a lot of things to like about that. Um, yeah. So I, let's talk a little bit more about um, any injury problems that you might have had, which might impact some of my suggestions later on how to train for a race like this. Do you have a, a big injury history with different kinds of running injuries, uh, or have you been fairly consistent and healthy all these years? I have a, an extensive history of lots of little injuries. So like tendonitis and muscle strains. I had a calf strain last year, which took about six months to heal. I had um, posterior tibial tendonitis. That's a mouthful. It's hard to say. A couple of years ago, which is uh, right behind your ankle. Um, I had probably in my early 30s, I had um, bursitis in my knee due to a tight medial hamstring. And lately, I've had some uh, sacroiliac joint issues, which are doing a lot better now um, with the help of a chiropractor. And he said that it was basically due to the fact that my hamstrings are absurdly tight. So I've been trying to work some yoga into my training, and now I can finally touch my toes. So made progress. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Uh, and, and if you do have hamstring problems, I did a podcast episode with Dwayne Scotty. The episode number is escaping me, but it's an entire episode all about hamstring strength, hamstring strains, hamstring tightness and flexibility and recommended exercises. It really goes deep on hamstrings and their function and what to do if you have problems with them. So that might be a, just a good resource for you to keep in the back of your mind if you haven't listened to that one. I remember that one. And I think I listened to it before I was having hamstring problems. So I should listen to it again. Yeah, you were probably thinking, why am I even listening to this? I don't need this right now. <laughs> I was listening to, to it for my friend who has hamstring problems. Oh, so I figured I'd listen to it and then tell her what I heard. So, okay. It does sound like you've had your fair share of injuries. You have a little bit of experience with all kinds of different running injuries. The SI joint problems are, are something that I remember very well from my college days. I, I always was throwing out my lower back for, for some reason. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that you're seeing someone and, and you seem to have a good handle on how to combat that and, and get it right. Uh, I know that a lot of uh, runner-specific core work was really helpful for me, and particularly, you know, strengthening uh, the glutes and, you know, the lower abdominals and some of the supporting structures around the pelvis to really keep that in a neutral position uh, and to make sure that you're not, you know, potentially, you know, holding one hip higher than the other. And, and there's a lot of good corrective exercises in fact, the standard core routine, which we have at strength running is, is also really helpful for that. So, uh, yet another resource for you to look into Eileen. 
Um, okay, so you've been kind of injured. Uh, now my next question is going to be, tell me a little bit more about your strength training. What kind of strength work have you done consistently over the last six months to a year? Um, well, if we go back to about a year, I actually, I did your high performance lifting program, um, which was good. And I, I did it like twice in a row. And then I needed a change to keep things interesting. Not that it wasn't interesting, but sometimes you need to switch things up. So I've been doing uh, some of the Peloton runner specific strength workouts um, until my hamstring started spasming. And now I've been just sort of babying it a little bit, but I think I'm ready to get back to some strength because it's doing a lot better. So I've been doing the stretching and core for the past few weeks, mostly. Um, you, yeah, you do have really good core workouts on your website. Definitely. I recommend them to my friends all the time. They're quick and easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some, some runners may say that they're not so easy, but I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's great. I mean, you, you have been doing some, you know, at least body weight work consistently and, you at least have some experience in the past with lifting in the gym. Cause I think that's going to be, uh, not only a big piece of you staying healthy in the future and, and just being, you know, generally more consistent with your training. Cause it just allows you to be stronger and toughen up all your connective tissues and all that. But, uh, I think specifically for this race, something like the lifting that's in high performance lifting is really good because, you know, the, the body weight stuff is great and I'm such a big proponent of it. I do it myself all the time, but at the same time, it doesn't help you get as strong or as powerful as lifting heavier weights in the gym, especially if you're not doing any explosive lifts or Olympic lifts, you know, those real power movements that, you know, are almost a combination of like a strength movement, but then also like a drill where you are really working on that neuromuscular fitness and that communication pathway between your brain and, you know, your body. And so I, I do think in the future, maybe getting back into the gym, you know, once your hamstring can tolerate some of those exercises and some of those movements is a very good idea. Um, and, and it seems like you're ready. You know, is that right? You're kind of ready. Your hamstrings feeling better. You, you might be able to get back. Yeah. I actually have a gym in my basement, a pretty basic one. I have, um, barbells and plates that are heavy enough for me because I'm not super strong. And uh, I have a, you know, a, one of the little boxes you jump on. Um, I just don't have the, the rack. So when it gets to like the one rep max part, that's when I have trouble because my one rep max for my squat isn't what I can lift over my head. <laughs> yeah. It can be challenging if you don't have the squat rack because some of those exercises require the bar, you know, to be loaded pretty heavy, but then start in that upward position. Yeah. So I've been kind of looking at them to buy one, but there's so many other things to buy. <laughs> <laughs> the the age old problem, right? <laughs> yeah, I've been kind of looking at them because it really does. I got up to the last phase of high performance lifting at home during COVID and then it just sort of crashed when I didn't have well, literally kind of crashed when I didn't have the rack. I got stuck under it and had to like roll backwards with it. So that, I think I rolled forwards to put the weight down. But I was like, you know, I either need a rack or I need to be at the gym at this point. This isn't working. Right. It's, it's sort of like trying to do a track workout without the track. You know, right. at a certain point for some types of workouts, for some very specific things we do as runners, you need the right equipment. But it's probably one of the reasons why we like to run, right? It's because usually most of the time we don't need any of that fancy equipment and we can do it almost anywhere. Exactly. Oh, it's, and it's so much more fun to be outside. <laughs> right. I'm also really glad to hear that you were able to do almost the entirety of high performance lifting in your basement gym. And you described it as not very fancy. I mean, you don't have even a rack, which is a piece of equipment that I recommend. Uh, so I'm, I'm just glad to hear that because it sounds like you were, you know, you just made it work. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, hooked the bands up to the, there's a railing down there. So I could do the, um, the band, sort of the side poles. I forget what they're called. 
Um, but with the band and the railing and the box jump and the, the barbell, my kettlebell, I was able to do most of it. Awesome. My husband is actually like a strength coach. So he brings like random pieces of equipment home sometimes that I can play with. <laughs> well, if he finds a squat rack that maybe fell off the back of a truck, that would be great. <laughs> I've been showing him pictures of ones I want to buy, hoping that he'd like somehow procure one, but he hasn't yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is taking a funny turn, but <laughs> let's talk about your upcoming race. So you've got, let's just say roughly 10 weeks. Uh, I've heard a lot of very encouraging things, Eileen, about where your fitness is, uh, about some of your background and your training capabilities. So, uh, I do think you're, you're going to have a, a pretty good race because you've, you've had some experience, you've built the necessary fitness. And now let's see if we can really put a cherry on top of this and really optimize some of the things that we can over the next, you know, 10 weeks or so. So the one, one of the things that I, I think would be the most helpful for you hands down, and this is true for anybody who wants to get better at running hills is improve your endurance. Your aerobic fitness is one of the main determinants of how good you are at at running hills within a race. Now, this is a little bit different than saying, Hey, let's get a bunch of different athletes at the bottom of this hill together. And we're going to sprint up the hill for 90 seconds and see who wins. That is a very different fitness challenge, if you will, than running a hilly race where the hilly race is an endurance event that has this extra stressful wrinkle layered in of it being on hilly terrain. It's not really a power event or a sprinting event. So, you know, we don't have to do as many like short hill repetitions or those kinds of grueling hill workouts where we're simply just hammering up that hill as fast as we can or or close to it. And really, you know, putting ourselves in in that kind of super stressful situation. So it's, it's a great way to get better at hills. And I think it's also one of the least stressful, more long-term approaches at doing it. And so we can do this a couple different ways. Number one is with your long run. So you're currently running about 10 miles for your long run. You're getting ready for a six mile race. So obviously you're going to be able to finish. Not a problem. That's not really the issue here. But if you were to gradually increase the distance of your long run over the next, let's say, eight weeks, of course, you're probably going to have about a two-week taper there. But over the next eight weeks, if you were to get your long run up to maybe 13 to 15 miles, that is only going to make you feel better on this race course. It's going to make you feel stronger, give you more endurance. And you know, those longer runs and in general, higher mileage overall, they do help your running economy too. And running economy is one of those things that I think helps a lot on more technical courses, whether it's the Boston Marathon or whether it's, you know, a six mile trail race where, you know, you're just running a lot of hilly terrain. So I I think all of those things are going to be helpful for you in this race, but trying to get your long run up gradually, you know, maybe a mile every two weeks, roughly over the next eight weeks is, is a smart strategy. Now, is that something that you don't really want to do or, <laughs> or maybe, uh, you're keeping it lower for a, a reason. No, I like my, the long run. Um, it's one of my favorite runs, I think because I'm have sort of quiet time for a, a long period of time with little, little kids. That's, uh, it's rare. Um, but yeah, and I, and I do tend to like once I try once a month to do a, a 13 or 14 mile long run. So it's not, totally out of my recent history. I think probably a month ago I did 14 miles. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely something that's doable for me. Oh, that's great. And I'm even more encouraged now that very recently you've gone up to 14 miles. So maybe you don't have to be as gradual with building the long run distance over the next eight weeks. You know, you could run 11 miles this weekend and then run 12 miles the following weekend. And and I don't think that's going to be something that, you know, makes you injured or is overly fatiguing for you. Uh, So just keep that in the back of your mind that longer long runs done more consistently are going to give you the endurance you need to feel a lot stronger on this kind of a hilly course, uh, and really any hilly course. 
So I, I think that's probably one of the the best options for you to just to improve your hill running ability between now and the race that's coming up in 10 weeks. Um, now, the other option too is, is a is a similar approach, but we're going to do it in a, in a slightly different way. So it's it's the same benefit. We want to gain more endurance because that's going to help you on the hills. But instead of increasing the distance of your long run, we're simply going to run more overall mileage. So it sounds like you're running about 30 miles a week right now, but you have experience going up to 45. Would you be opposed to maybe flirting with about 40 miles per week in the coming month or so? Um, yeah. So basically that what's the date today? So the next two weeks are kind of limited for me because my husband coaches football and teaches. So he is gone for about 14 hours a day. Um, so I have to get a lot of my running in either early in the morning before we both go to work or try to when my parents babysit my kids when I work, I try to tag in a run at the end. So during the week, my running time is limited. So for the next two weeks, that's definitely a factor. And then football's over, thankfully. <laughs> Does your husband know you're saying thankfully right now? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, look, we have to work within the confines of your life. And, you know, we're not all pro runners. We're not getting paid to run. So we really have to, you know, fit running in where we can. So do, um, you know, I have a do the best you can approach when we come into these kinds of situations, whether you're going on vacation or you have a, a demanding work schedule or a demanding family schedule. So over the next two weeks, do the best you can. Then I think you have a good opportunity over the next six weeks or so, again, before you start that taper to, you know, maybe try to run a little bit more. And, um, you know, just getting that mileage up to even 35, maybe 40, you know, over time you do that for four weeks in a row, for example, you know, that's a, that's a measurable, uh, increase in mileage. You know, you're almost adding a whole nother week of training over the course of, you know, five or six weeks. And, and that really can help. Yeah. And, you know, I can get in a little more miles on that long run. That's where I actually have time to add in miles. So even in the next two weeks, if I up the long run a little bit, I'll get in a few more miles. Yeah, there you go. And, you know, I know your schedule is a little different over these next two weeks. And so doing the long run and maybe getting in an extra one, two miles that you normally would, you know, that'll quote unquote, make up for some of the missed mileage that you might have during the week when your husband's working so much. So, you know, it'd be good to start with the gradually longer long runs right now. And then once you can, once you have more freedom and flexibility with your schedule, maybe you can run a little bit more during the week and in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the next thing I want to talk about besides, you know, running a longer long run, running more weekly mileage is actually getting on the trails and, and running similar terrain as what you're going to experience on race day. Now, is this something that is possible for you? You know, of course, maybe not during the next two weeks, but you know, during a quote unquote normal week, are you able to run trails that are close to your house or is this something you maybe have to drive to? There's enough around here. Like, I, they're not as hilly. Um, there's definitely trails around here I can run that are, are hilly. They're just not mountains. Um, but I also, I'm thinking I should head up to the mountains at, at some point, at, at least once, hopefully twice to actually practice on terrain that's more like the race is going to be. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And what I might do is when you are running during the week, you know, those shorter three to seven mile runs that you have been doing, those can be run, you know, if they're easy runs or recovery runs, try to get on some, some varied terrain doesn't have to be, you know, the mountainous terrain that you're going to be running in the race, but I think it will be very helpful for your coordination on that kind of terrain to just get more experience with it, especially, uh, during the week on some of those recovery runs. And the side benefit there is, you know, some of those trails, those more slightly more technical terrain, they're a little bit more technical and, and that slows you down a little bit, but I think that's a good thing in a recovery run when the goal is not, you know, speed, the goal is not performance and it can really help keep your pace in check to just potentially do some, 
uh, some easy or recovery runs on those surfaces. But then, you know, on the weekends, when you have maybe a little bit more time, when you're planning a longer run, then it would be great to go to the to the mountains and maybe run part of the course. Uh, you know, if you're doing a long run, you could run the whole course. You know, you could run it if it's a point to point, you could run out and back and, and have a great 12 mile trail run. Uh, but I think that kind of an approach where you're getting in what I'll call quote unquote junior varsity trails during the week. And then ideally two or three times you'd get into the mountains and really get comfortable on the exact terrain that you're going to be on that has very similar elevation changes that is, you know, maybe a couple thousand feet higher than where you are right now. So I think that's, that's a really smart idea to get on the same terrain, especially for those long runs. Yeah, it'll probably be fun too. So yeah, I definitely, definitely want to try that. Exactly. Yeah. Bring some friends with you, you know, turn into a little adventure on a Saturday or Sunday. It'll be a blast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my husband will owe it to me after a football season. So, <laughs> yes, there you go. See, it's the the push and pull of marriage. There you go. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, and the other thing too is is with your uh, experience with strength training, uh, I might say if you can, let's start lifting some weights again. You know, you have uh, ten weeks to do so, and and I think stronger runners are also better runners on hills. You need the endurance to be able to to even display that strength. But then once you have that endurance to, to keep going on the hills, you know, to maybe uh, support some intensity on those hills, the power and the strength really come in handy there. And so, you know, you only have 10 weeks, so you're not going to go through the full 16 week periodized high performance lifting program. But the first two phases, so the first eight weeks are focused primarily on injury prevention, general strength, building up your capability with some of those exercises. And there's a lot of neuromuscular uh, changes that happen during this time. So you're really improving a lot of coordination. I remember reading a fascinating study that was talking about how, you know, if you start lifting, the strength gains you'll experience in that first month are not actually because you're any stronger. It's because you've just improved that coordination, that communication between your brain and your muscles. So to me, that is just an amazing case study, an example of the the efficiency that we can develop as athletes. And I think that efficiency is is very much helpful when, you know, we're doing really short, fast races. You know, if you're racing the 1500 or, you know, uh, a 5K maybe, but they also help a lot on the more technical races where there's a lot of hills where the terrain is very, very technical, where you might be uh, on very varied terrain. So it's not very hilly. It's not just hilly. It's up and down just over and over and over again. So you have to change the style of your running that requires strength as well. So, you know, you haven't been lifting weights super consistently recently, but if you feel comfortable with it, if your hamstring is is feeling good right now, maybe you can ask your chiropractor about this, but starting with some of the early HPL workouts right now, and then, you know, maybe going through eight or nine weeks of high performance lifting from now until the race, I I don't think that's going to hurt you. And I think it's only going to help you. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like I can do it now. I I work in I'm an occupational therapist. I work in physical rehabilitation. So I, I, I can tell that my, my body's ready to, to get back to it now. It's not, my hamstring isn't spasming now. If I try to, you know, do a bridge or something, it's getting a lot better. So I, I can tell I'm, I'm ready to work in some strength. Great. And, and that doesn't also mean that okay, I'm going to lift heavy weights now. I got my home gym all set up. That doesn't mean we're going to abandon all of the body weight stuff. So I would still love to see you, you know, do some of those routines we have at strength running, uh, particularly because, you know, your, your SI joint has been, you know, a little bit out of whack. And some of those routines can really help with some of the more runner specific stability oriented skills that we really want, particularly for trail races when, you know, it's, it's a less stable surface. So you need to provide a little bit more of that stability and some of the body weight exercises and all those routines can really help with that. Yeah, absolutely. 
I, I, my problem is I get consistent with, I injure myself and I get really consistent with strength. So I don't get injured and I start feeling good and I'm like, Oh, well, <laughs> I, I start forgetting what it's like to be injured. And then I slip off of the routine again. You know, that I think happens to every runner. <laughs> that is such a, a runner mentality. And, and I specifically remember that, you know, I started flipping that on its head years back because you know, my college career, I was injured all the time. And I started thinking, I remember during my senior year, I started just thinking very differently about it because, you know, it was, it was at the time when I was feeling my best, running my fastest, feeling strong, feeling like I was invincible, that I was just so resilient. I was never going to get hurt. It was then that I started becoming more cautious. And so I start to get almost quote unquote scared when I'm feeling too good. And, and that is just a nice reminder to me that, hey, this is why you do all that strength work. This is why you take those recovery runs nice and easy and get your sleep every night because you want to feel this good. Don't jeopardize it, Jason, by thinking you're you know, a superhero and you don't have to do all these extras to you know, take care of your body and all that. So at least for me, that was like a really helpful way of just flipping the script and getting my head on right so that I could have a good perspective about, you know, all those things that you do tend to skip when, you know, time is short or you're just feeling really good. I, I almost use the feeling good as ammunition to do even more of those little things. I think that's definitely a much better way to do it than to go into repair mode when disaster hits. Yeah, the whole, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure thing is just so true when it comes to running and running injuries. But, you know, we all have to learn that the hard way, I think. Absolutely. Again and again, sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel I felt like a toddler most of my running career, just learning things the hard way over and over and over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, Eileen, um, I'm feeling pretty good about this six mile race that you have coming up. Uh, we've talked about how, you know, I, I think that you have a pretty good foundation set up already, uh, with just a couple tweaks here and there, you know, maybe slightly higher weekly mileage, being more consistent with some of those longer long runs, uh, doing some more, uh, strength training, uh, I think is all going to be helpful for you. And then of course, just getting up there and running hilly terrain, running some of those, uh, uh, you know, the actual trails that you're going to run on race day. Now, the last thing I want to talk about are workouts, because uh, I think a lot of runners think that you have to do very formal, very difficult hill workouts before any kind of hilly race. And I do think they're helpful, but I, I don't think they deserve the emphasis that a lot of runners put on them. Now, you have been doing some hill workouts, and I might have you continue that. I, I think doing um, workouts, you know, in you have options right now with this kind of a race, but you know, because the race is, is relatively short, I might have you keep the repetitions to maybe 90 seconds or two minutes. And if you want to do a hill workout, maybe every other week and alternate that with a tempo run on more flat terrain, you know, where you're trying to run around lactate threshold, 85, 90% of your maximum heart rate, um, you know, kind of a classic tempo run. I think that's a great uh, workout mix right there where you're getting, you know, a hill workout every other week, and then you're getting a tempo run every other week. And your hill workouts can be structured, you know, in almost an unlimited number of ways, but something like six by 90 seconds, or five by two minutes, something like that, you know, you don't have to do you know, 15 or 20 minutes worth of, of hill repetition work. That, that seems very challenging to me. It also seems unnecessary. It seems like a very high volume of hill work. I would look at maybe 10 to, to maybe a maximum of, of 15 minutes of, of hill training. I wouldn't go much more than 15 minutes of, of total high intensity uphill running, you know, as part of that formal workout. But other than that, I, I don't think we need to do, you know, very complex, very advanced types of hill work. Okay. So it sounds like I might have been, I've done like two of the hill workouts. It sounds like I might've gone overboard a little bit because I definitely did more than that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think that's, 
a huge problem. You know, it's pretty okay. easy to do a workout that maybe wasn't the best workout for you. Then you just pull back from it. You do something different. Um, and, and I think what's most important when it comes to workouts is it's less the individual workout than the total body of work over the course of the training cycle. So what is the progression of workouts? You know, what are, what, what are the last eight weeks of workouts look like on the whole, as opposed to maybe, you know, the one or two great workouts that you might've had. I'm less interested in that and more interested in all of the workouts, you know, and looking at them a little bit more holistically like that. Okay. So Eileen, I'm feeling very encouraged for you. I think you have some good strategies for the next two and a half months or so to help you really optimize your training, to help you feel good, to help you stay healthy and really make the best of this hilly run that you have. And and I know you don't have a lot of experience with very hilly trail races, but I think if you were to take some of these suggestions into into account and and incorporate them into your training, then you're just going to feel a lot better on race day. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for it. And thank you for all the suggestions because, yeah, as I said, this is completely uncharted territory for me. Yeah, well, do you have uh, a particular finish time in mind? I mean, it's always challenging when you're talking about trail races, when you're talking about very hilly races, because, you know, this six-mile race could take you as long as it might take you to run a a 10-mile race. Right, which I actually have absolutely no idea what my finish time could be because I just have nothing to compare it to. Right. <laughs> that, that is <laughs> going to be a little bit challenging. But what I think might be helpful is uh, doing some of your long runs up there and just getting an idea of what the terrain is like. You might be surprised that you just can't run a, a certain amount of that mileage. And so you're going to have to incorporate some hiking breaks just to get up on some of those you know, more substantial elevation changes. And so that's one of the reasons why we get up there and and run the same course that we're going to be running and how this is really important for trail racing, because, you know, a a trail is not a trail is not a trail. You know, they're so different. And the trails that I remember running on the East coast are just so much different than the trails that we have here in Colorado. And, you know, I, I didn't really recognize that when I came out here. And so I feel like every trail you run is, is a learning experience and you really just have to make sure that you know what you're getting into. And so that can help you with figuring out what your, your total finish time might be, uh, and helping you set a more appropriate goal time. Uh, but the real reason I asked was because I was trying to figure out how long it might take you to run this. So we could talk about fueling because if this is taking you as long as maybe a 10 mile race, or, you know, if it's incredibly steep and things like that, and maybe a half marathon. So, you know, I would say if you're, if you're racing for more than 90 minutes, it might be helpful to take a gel or, or some equivalent of a gel, you know, about 45, 60 grams of carbohydrate, roughly halfway through the race. Um, now if the race is taking you about two hours, I might say two gels is probably a little bit better. So that's another part of of this puzzle is just making sure that you're adequately fueled. And, you know, the total distance of the race makes it sound like it's not a race where you really have to worry about fueling, you know, have a good breakfast, stay hydrated, then you're off to the races, pun totally intended there. But with this kind of a race, it's just going to be different. And you don't really know what your finish time might be. So let's do some long runs out there so that you get an idea of it. And then you can start planning your fueling a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that I'm going to need at least one gel because it's not going to be like a normal six mile run. Um, And I don't want to do like I did on my marathon and totally mess up the fueling I mentioned to you before. So that's a good idea to really, you know, run it and figure out exactly, run the course, figure out exactly how, how much I need and uh, sort of plan it out ahead of time. Yeah, that's a good idea. And it's in 10 weeks. We're recording this at the beginning of April. So that means, let's see, we're going to be mid to late June. And that's going to be fairly warm. So mm-hmm. <laughs> an option for you too might be instead of, you know, bringing a gel or two with you, you know, maybe you have a water bottle that, you know, it's one of those handheld bottles and you have, you know, the equivalent of one or two gels of powder mixed into that. So you're really looking at both your hydration and your fueling needs 
at the same time. Right. Right. Yeah. All good options for you. Uh, I think it really depends on, you know, the, the amount of time that the race is going to take and really what you're comfortable with too. If, if you just absolutely hate running with a handheld, then, you know, there's other options. So something to experiment with, something to be aware of as you get ready for, you know, this race coming up. I actually finally found a handheld that I can tolerate. <laughs> it's one of the yeah, it takes ones. trial and error, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I've always hated them. And now this one, I finally found one that I can, I can deal with. And that's a big part of, of success in some of these races. You know, I've talked to a lot of ultra runners where, you know, the gear is super important because it's absolutely critical to helping you perform. And it's just a big trial and error game, you know, and everyone's different. Everyone likes certain things and dislikes other things that other people love. So you really just have to experiment and find what works for you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Eileen. Uh, I think we have a pretty good plan in place for the next couple months before this race, but did you have any other questions for me about maybe how to prepare for this race, uh, how to taper for this race, workouts, uh, anything like that, that we might've missed? So the last two weeks taper, uh, what, what sort of weekly mileage would you, you think would be appropriate for the taper period? Great question. So if you are, let's say, you know, you've been running 35 miles a week, I might have you, it's kind of hard. I always like to be looking at a training plan to see where I can manipulate the mileage, but, you know, going down maybe 20% the first week and then another 20% the second week, uh, might be a good option. So you could go 35 miles and then you could be in the mid to high twenties. And then you could be, you know, maybe somewhere in the low twenties for, uh, the second week leading up to the race. And if you're comfortable running 35 miles a week, running, say, 27 miles a week, that's going to start to feel pretty easy. And, and then the following week when you're running, you know, maybe you cap out at 21 miles a week, just pulling numbers out here. But that is just going to feel so much easier for you because you've built up your capacity for even higher mileage beforehand. So I think that's fine. Um, you know, the the intensity should remain about the same. You know, a lot of coaches will maintain the intensity at just about the same levels, but they'll cut the, the weekly volume and that will leave you feeling sharp, fast, responsive, but it won't leave you feeling sore or tired or fatigued. So you're not getting some of that, you know, uh, endurance stimulus that you want earlier in the training plan. You're not getting that now because, you know, as they say, the hay's in the barn, you don't really have to do any of that really hard work during that two week taper. And do you still recommend during the, let's say the last week, would you just, just not do any strength training that week? I would continue with the body weight work. Okay. I would maybe skip anything that is, it might leave you a little bit more sore. So for example, uh, the ITB rehab routine, which is a, a hip and glute oriented strength workout that I give to a lot of runners. It's, it's on strength running, but that routine includes pistol squats. I might take out the pistol squats because those are one legged squats that are very challenging. Um, and I, I may, other than that, you know, in the standard core routine, I usually like to see runners get up to three sets of that routine. The week of the race, we can do two sets. And so for a lot of the strength work, it's almost similar to the mileage. You, you can reduce it, but you shouldn't eliminate it. You know, it should still be there. It, it helps with the cool down process. A lot of the body weight exercises really help with just making sure that you feel good on a day-to-day -day basis and you're not getting super fatigued from body weight strength at work. It's just not that tiring. So um, you can certainly keep doing, keep going with that. And then the week of the race, if, if you wanted to do some, some strength training in the gym, like if you had, you know, if you had been going through high performance lifting, you've been consistent with it. Um, it kind of depends if the race is on a Saturday or a Sunday, the Sunday race just gives you a little bit more time to squeeze in two strength workouts. But if it's a Saturday, maybe just one and, you know, you might do it a, on, on the Tuesday before a Saturday race. And you'll want to keep it fairly light. You know, you don't want to do anything that, again, is almost like a workout. You want to be able to run fast in the workout the week of the race, but you don't want to run too hard. Same thing with strength work. We want to maybe lift heavy, maybe do some explosive movements, 
but we don't want the workout to be hard. So it's almost like you're just getting a taste of lifting heavy. You're just getting a taste of those power movements. And that just helps fine tune the nervous system. It really primes you to work hard a couple days later. And, and, and that's the way I would think about the strength training. Uh, similar to uh, similar to how you would taper with running, you know, reduce the volume, but maintain the intensity. Okay, great. All right, Eileen, I'm excited for you. I think you're gonna, I know this is your first very hilly trail race, which is a little new for you. It might be a little bit intimidating, but you have the experience and, and I think you have the training behind you to really have a great race. And if anything, that's just going to be a blast out there in the mountains. So, uh, have fun. And I hope you'll update me with how it goes. I'm very curious to see how you feel. And, uh, if you, you know, are able to meet your goals for this race. I definitely will. Thank you so much for everything. All right, Eileen. Well, thank you for being our guinea pig for this coaching call podcast. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> All right. You take care. You too. Bye. And there it is, runners. I had so much fun chatting with Eileen, and I hope you learned how you too can best prepare for similar types of races. To join Eileen on Team Strength Running and get my coaching advice as well, check us out at strengthrunning.com join. Finally, I want to hook you up with some free electrolytes. Our sponsor, Elemental Labs, is offering a free sample pack with four flavors in eight packets at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. You only have to pay for shipping. Elemental Labs makes electrolytes for athletes and low-carb folks with no sugar, no artificial ingredients or colors. And I'm partial to the citrus flavor, which I honestly can't get enough of. I can drink it every day. It's tasty. It's delicious. And I really enjoy it, especially when it's a little hot out or if I do any running more than about 45 minutes. I currently did my long run today as I'm recording this. And so I'm enjoying some mango chili, which has a nice kick to it. And I find it very interesting that there's a lot of new evidence coming out right now that higher sodium levels are not actually that bad for you. Now, of course, ask your doctor if you're worried, but for those athletes running five or more days per week, training for longer events, or outside in the heat, an electrolyte replacement makes a lot of sense. And I'm encouraged by the fact that Navy SEAL teams, Olympic teams, and pro athletes have started using elemental electrolyte supplements to improve their performance. Check them out at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to try their sample pack and get your hydration optimized for the upcoming spring season. All right, guys, thank you for being here. We'll be in touch soon. 